Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for coming and joining us on this program again today. We are pleased that you can be with us. And just as we start, Colin and myself will just ask you that you would also just close your eyes in prayer as we invite God's presence in our study. Gracious Father in heaven, what a privilege it is that you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, can actually come down, condescend to come and instruct mm. us and teach us through your word and through your spirit. As such, Father, as we open the word now, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, give us wisdom and understanding and skill in spiritual things which we by nature don't possess. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Colin, the last program, we were continuing our study through this book, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Reign and Christ's for the latter reign and Christ's return. Now, we are in the last few chapters of that book from about um, page, I think it's chapter 45 or day 45, 44 onwards. And we are now looking at God's warning to the church. Now, God has got a warning to send to the world. But that warning has to be taken by someone. So if there's a defect within the church, God wants to correct that. God wants to bring them in close communion, so his people in close communion with himself, so they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receive that power. That power then gives authority and power to the word, the message that God is going to send. And then what will happen is God will actually take that message with power through his people. But the message comes to the church first. So what we are looking at at the moment is God's prophetic timetable. And we find as we look through the Old Testament, there's a number of time periods there that God prophesied. For example, if we look at the time of Noah and the flood, God prophesied through Noah for 120 years. And matter of fact, his great-grandfather was a great-great-grandfather, Methuselah. His name was actually a prophetic name, which incorporates the word death, and then also it will come. So basically what his name meant is when he dies, it will come. And we are told that Methuselah died the year of the flood. So that was prophesied. So there was a timetable, a prophetic timetable in that era. Then we get into Genesis chapter 15. So we've gone from Genesis chapter 6 now to 15, where Abraham is given a prophecy regarding 400 years and then we see in Exodus 12 the fulfillment of that 400 years or that 430 years. It says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. And that's Exodus chapter 12, verse 40 to 41. So what happened is in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 to 14, God's told Abraham. Abraham. He says, your descendants are going to be uh, kept as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Mm. And exactly that came to pass. And then he says, right on the selfsame day, after the 430 years. Yeah, so that prophecy was given, what, about 430 years Yeah, it was given to Abraham. Earlier. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So what happens is they go into e, um, Egypt, and then they're 400 years in Egypt, but it's 430 years since the prophecy. 
Mm. So we, we see there that it's in a crisis that God intervenes and intercedes, but he gives them a prophetic view of what's going to happen. You know that, that text that says that God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets? Amos, Amos 3.7. Amos 3.7. So here God demonstrates that by giving Abraham, who was a prophet, he gives him a instruction regarding the crisis that will hit God's people and then how God would lead them out. So basically God has a timetable, a, a divine like prophetic time clock for the events of Earth's history. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that it says the self-same day is remarkable, isn't it? It's amazing. amazing. Then we have a second crisis that hits Israel and they go into Babylonian captivity. But God had already told through the prophet Jeremiah that they would be in captivity for 70 years. And we can read that in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12. And there's some other texts in Jeremiah as well. And exactly that happened, isn't it? The king, king, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came and destroyed the temple and, and uh, Jerusalem. That's right. Took Daniel and all the captives back into uh, Babylon, which is now modern-day Iraq, took them back, and according to prophecy... They were in captivity for 70 years. For 70 years, that's right. And Daniel, after he started studying the prophecies, realized the 70-year prophecy. You can actually see him mention it and then pray in regards to God fulfilling his his desire, his prophetic timetable for Israel by bringing them back out of captivity again. And that's Daniel chapter 9. He was praying, wasn't he? You know, hmm. the 70 years are up, Lord. That's right. It's time to go home. And uh, and then, but then the Lord gives him some even more incredible prophecies to Daniel which is called the 70 weeks prophecy. That's right. So during that prayer, God gives him another prophetic timetable, but now in regards to the Messiah. Yes. So what happens is another crisis to hit Israel. Israel is now under occupation by Rome. And instead of now, uh, you know, God doing something, you know, does he destroy Israel? Does he start a new nation? He brings the Messiah in to redeem and save them in Daniel chapter 9. So so he gave him this prophecy about the Messiah called the 70 weeks prophecy. Mm. But wasn't that tied up with a lo- more longer time prophecy called the 2300 day or 2300 year prophecy? Absolutely. Where he talks about the sanctuary, heavenly, the sanctuary being cleansed. Yeah. Well, Daniel 9.24, we are told, Daniel is told that 70 weeks are determined for you and your people. So what it says, and for, and for Jerusalem, that word determined is actually katak, which means to cut off. Yes. Now, it can only be cut off from a bigger time period. And there was no vision given to Daniel, only interpretation in Daniel 9. So the only vision that was still outstanding and the, the, play, the part that wasn't explained yet was actually the time prophecy of the 2,300 days in Daniel 8.14. Yeah, so it gives this shorter prophecy, 70 weeks, which is the coming of Messiah, mm. which is part of this 2,300-day prophecy, which is another one when the sanctuary would be cleansed. Mm. And so we worked out, and even gives a starting point, and he says in Ezra, he says from the time to restore and build Jerusalem, yeah, and the streets will also be built, built and, and the, the walls thereof. And, the walls and, and, that, and we looked at that, that that happened in 457 B.C., Hmm. And so when we looked at the 70 weeks and we take it up to, it takes us up to 34 AD. But then he talks and says about this one week from the 69 weeks to the 70th week. He says in the midst of the week, the Messiah would be cut off. Yeah, that's right. Which is representing Jesus, hmm. you know, dying on the cross. It even says in the, uh, in the 69 week was the 27 AD. Hmm. It says the Messiah would be anointed. That's right. And interesting is not you look in, the, in Matthew, it says in Luke, it says that Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit or anointed in 27 AD, AD. which was the 15th mm. year of Tiberius. 
which happened to be 27.8. Exactly right on time. Exactly as, it, as God had said. Wow. That's right, yeah. And, I mean, that's a significant event because Jesus is the awaited redeemer of the world. He is the Messiah. It's, it's what all the prophecies in the Old Testament point to. And we even read there in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time, so what time are we talking about? Prophetic time. When the fullness of mm. prophetic time had come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem those under the law. So this is regarding the, the first coming of Jesus now. But Colin, does the same hold true concerning Christ's second coming? Well, it does. It says Jesus came right on time in the fullness of time, as you just said. Mm. And Jesus came when God's prophetic clock reached the hour of his coming. We also read in Daniel chapter 9, God even foretold the date of Christ's baptism and his death. And we can see that God has a specific timetable for the events of Earth's history. We also know in Daniel, he talks about in the last days, this prophecy of the sanctuary will be cleansed. Yes. Which when we work out, that brings us to 1844. And then we know that in 1844, there was a great Advent movement. They thought Jesus was coming. But when we looked at Leviticus chapter 16 and we studied that out, we found that the cleansing of the sanctuary was the removal or blotting out of the sins of Israel. That's right. The sin record that had entered in there for the whole year. Over, yeah, over the whole year. Was it mm. cleansing or removing and cleansing no, the sanctuary itself from the record of sin? And so we know that Jesus is, in, is our high priest in our heavenly sanctuary mm. and is interceding for us as we repent our sins go into the sanctuary. But eventually... There was a time when he says he finishes that work and he blots the record or removes or cleanses. They all mean the same thing. Removes those sins and the record of them in the heavenly sanctuary. So that is what the work that precedes the second coming of Christ. So when that work is done, Christ comes. Is that what you're saying? That's what's Yeah, that's exactly mm. what happens. So it's interesting. I've just sort of thought about it. So the 2,300-year prophecy, which is the longest prophecy in the Bible, actually covers the first and second coming of Jesus. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. It gives a whole whole time frame. And we know that when Jesus finished his work of high priest, just like in Leviticus chapter 16, hmm. he, had the, he then basically takes the sins of his people and removes it from the sanctuary and puts it on who is to blame for sin, which is Satan himself. Right. Or the scapegoat, which it talks about in Daniel. It talks about the scapegoat, Azaziel. Right. I think yes. that's how you pronounce it. But it, it, he was led out into the wilderness. And just looking, you look in the book of Revelations, it says that Jesus or this angel comes and he takes hold of the dragon, that great serpent, mm. all right, and he chains him up. And look, we can Chained have, for, yeah, a thousand for a years. thousand years. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's these amazing parallels of what happened in the Old Testament you can read in the book of Revelation and, and in the book of Daniel. So I believe the same holds true concerning Christ's second coming. From eternity path, the Father has known and foredained the great climatic event of Earth's history. And we can read that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. It says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So the Father knows the time of Jesus' coming. Mm. He knows. He's known it all along. But he also says, but as the days of Noah were, so so also be the coming of Son of Man. You know, what were people doing in the days of Noah? Well, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. That's right. Planting, sowing. And he tells you, and they did not know, and the flood came and took them away. Mm. Uh, they had evidence. Noah built an ark. A message went out to them all. Yes. They, he said, get in the boat. Mm. This is your only way to save yourself. But they didn't believe. 
So Christ will return on the exact day and hour the Father has ordained him to return. And, and my personal conviction is that that day and hour of Christ's return is very near. You know, we can see all the signs happening in that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21 mm. and Mark 13. He talks about all these signs, increased earthquakes and floods and natural disasters. and Wars and rumors of war and pestilence. And, yeah, the, yeah, and and and. and, and and how wicked the world would get. Mm. It would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, what was Sodom and Gomorrah known for? For its wickedness. It yes. was known for homosexuality. Yes, that's being, right. Being rampant. And um, I'm not attacking homosexuality. It's just that that was what it was known for mm. Uh, mm. in that day. God puts all sins and says fornication, adultery, and all sins that's right. into into the one. And he, we, he can overcome any sin. I know I've seen people from have overcome fornication, adultery, and homosexuality. Mm, mm. Um, Agree. So we know that God w- will send Jesus, but before that happens, something will prepare them to stand in that day. Mm. We read in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. Have you got that? Yes, I do. And it talks about the time when Christ is to come. It says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So that is a day of redemption, but also a day of wrath. And those who have reconciled themselves to the Lord and have surrendered their lives to him are the ones who will be able to stand. And we see that in the next chapter, there's the 144,000 that are sealed that have the you know the Father's name written in their forehead. Well, there's the answer of how you're able to stand. Mm. And the first step, you know, that you read that whole chapter and it talks about, you know, it's talking about this great earthquake and the sun becomes, you know, black and the moon becomes in blood. The stars fall from heaven and... The sky recedes as the scrolls rolled up, and it's like there's Jesus coming. Mm. And it says, The kings of the earth and the great men and rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. I mean, they're hiding themselves in the rocks and mountains, and they're saying to the mountains and rocks, this is in verse 16 of chapter 6 of Revelation, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who would have mm. think there would be a wrath from a lamb? That's right. You may be wrath from a lion, but not from a lamb. And it's, the lamb is Jesus. It's it? Jesus Amen. returning. That is Jesus. And yeah. it says that, you know, in other parts, they're destroyed by the brightness of his coming. And who was able to stand? Uh, it also, the same question is asked in Malachi. Did you know that? Mm, in Malachi, that's from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2. It says, who was able, able to, to stand? stand? Yeah, at the same time period, same prophecy. That's right. And then then goes on in Revelation chapter 7, saying that 144,000 symbolically of God's people are able to stand mm. only one reason. They have the seal of God on them. Amen. And uh, So we, to, for us to stand, we need to be sealed as well. We need, to be, we need to be sealed by God. And you look at that, that actually God is holding back the winds of strife in Revelation chapter 7. It says, hold them back until my people have been sealed. Mm. So God in his great mercy is actually holding back things. Uh, uh, and the winds and the earthquakes and floods from getting even worse because he's waiting for his people to be sealed. Yeah, look, even the Apostle Peter, when he's contemplating the the destruction of the world, you know, Second Peter chapter 3 talks first of all about the destruction of the world by flood, and then the second one will be by fire. He says that he considers that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. So it's very clear that God's patience and long-suffering is very important. He's trying to save as many and everybody that he can, if he had just given up hope and said, listen, I'll just come and get the handful that's here, we'd all be... I'm so glad that, hope for none that of us. God is a God of good God and a Amen. merciful God. And, and even um, Paul talks about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, where he talks about when Christ comes, you know, 
will be able to stand in his presence. Yes, that's right, because he talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the Antichrist, the man of sin that will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming and by... Actually, let me read that. Yeah. It well, says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And, and so he, you can see that this great climax of Jesus coming, and, and Jesus is coming, it says, with all his glory, and all the angels are coming with him. Mm. Now, you ha- you, have you ever thought about that? Like, do, you, yes, do you remember when just one? I have thought about it. Do you remember just when one angel appeared when Jesus rose from the dead? You know, on the third mm. day, on that Sunday, early Sunday morning, it says from one angel, all those Roman soldiers fell as dead men. Wow! You also go back and look in the Old Testament in Assyria, and it says that one angel destroyed over a hundred and eighty-five thousand. One angel. One angel. Mm. So the so all these. Roman soldiers were blinded by one angel. Now imagine if everybody has a guardian angel. It could be billions of angels. Mm-hmm. Imagine Jesus coming with all his glory, all right? The, the, the earth and the wicked one are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. It says brighter than the sun. Yeah. And he's coming with all his angels, billions of angels. You're not going to miss that event, are you? I can see the picture in my mind, but I can't. See the brilliance of it and the, the splendor of it, and also, I guess, the, the greatness and the, the majesty and the awfulness of it because it depends, it will be a, an incredible scene. And the questions asked who is able to stand? You know, in that time, you know, uh, something has to prepare God's people to prepare mm. them to stand. Mm. And this generation of Christians living when Christ comes will be able to stand in the presence of Christ in all his glory and not be consumed while all those around them are being destroyed. By the brightness of his coming, yes. as we mentioned in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight. You know, there'll be no other generation of Christians that have walked this earth. There'll be as no other generation. This will be a special generation, I believe. Mm. And I believe that God's prophetic clock has reached the hour when he's calling that last generation of Christians into existence. Yes. Uh, it's in the Bible it talks about his remnant people. Uh, in Revelation chapter twelve, it talks about a remnant people. And it talks about this remnant people that keep the commandments of God That's right. and have the faith of Jesus. Mm. It talks about this remnant people having the spirit of prophecy in Revelation chapter 19. As mm. we spoke about in our last program, they have the, the spirit of prophecy. It talks about this these last God's last day people giving the three angels' messages out. Mm. It's, it announces that judgment has begun in the heavenly sanctuary. That judgment has begun in 1844. So maybe we can get a little bit more specific here because I think we're living in some serious and interesting times. You know, I think the devil's trying to blind the hearts and minds of men so they do not discern the times or the seasons. And we are told by Jesus to watch and to be ready. And he says that more than once. So if we are to be those people that stand in that day, would we be able to be commandment breakers or even say that you can't keep the commandments anymore and be part of that remnant? Well, well, let's go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 okay. to 12, because it says these, this remnant, remnant uh, people or this church, mm. and the remnant means the last remaining church, okay? It's, it's, it's like the original church, early, early church. Yeah. Uh, and they kept the commandments of God, and they had the faith of Jesus. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they took the gospel to the world in mm. their time. But, you know, when we look at Re- Revelation chapter 12, when it talks about in verse 17 that Satan is actually angry and making war with this church, the woman. Hmm. And well, in verse what 17, what makes said, him so angry? Well, let's have a look. What does it say, Edian? 
It says, And the dragon was enraged or wroth with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring or the remnant of her seed. Yeah, so he's making war on those remaining in the last mm. days. But he's angry for a reason. What's the reason? They have two things that he's angry about. Who one, keep the commandments of God. Number one, they keep the commandments of God. Does it say that they try to or they'd no. like to? No, they, 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 they do it. They're... They keep the commandments of God, mm. Ten Commandments, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, yeah. which we discovered in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, is that they have the spirit of prophecy. prophecy. And yes. we looked at that last program. We believe, okay, that mm. God raised up Ellen G. White uh, in the early 1800s. Mm. Uh, in 1844, she was part of that great Advent movement, which was right on time in that 2300-year prophecy. Yes, absolutely. And which which links to giving the three angels messages. Mm, mm. Because if you looked at the three angels messages in Revelation chapter 14, it talks about, in, let's read it from verse 6, and let's just break this down a little bit just to give okay. our uh, listeners an understanding. Verse 6 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, so what are they preaching? The everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So here's the everlasting gospel going out to the whole world, mm. to the whole world, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. Sounds like that is the beginning of the end of the 2,300 days. Well, what If you know what understand what I'm saying, well, what the 2,300 days ends there. Yes, and that's the starting of the cleansing of the sanctuary. The judgment has begun. That's right. Because what 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 was the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter sixteen called? Yom Kippur. Yeah. Day of Judgment. That's right. This is when everyone conflicted their souls before mm. and made sure that they repented of their sins and their sins were in the sanctuary uh, via the blood of the lamb. Well, that's symbolic of our sins being repented of and being in the heavenly sanctuary via the blood of Jesus Christ. Who paid the penalty for our sins? Mm, amen. And so, yeah, the hour of His judgment has begun. So God's judgment began in 1844. Mm. So He's going through and seeing who has professed to claim the name of Jesus Christ. This who, is the last message of warning. It is the last remedy or antidote for the world and for God's people. So what you're saying is, this is the last message goes to the world before Jesus comes. That's right. Well, how do we know that? Well, once you finish giving the three angels a message. It says in verse 14 of chapter 14, mm. Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on that cloud sat one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, mm. having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel in verse 15 came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. That's right. That's it. And there's these two harvests, one of God's righteous, and there's another harvest where it talks about the, the grapes of wrath. Mm. And um, you can read the rest of that in verse 17 to verse 20. So let's just quickly go through the three angels' message. So the hour of his judgment has begun. Yes. That's regarding the cleansing of the sanctuary mm. in uh, Daniel chapter 8. 8, yeah. 23. And it's a call to what? Worship him who made the heaven, earth, the sea, and the springs of the water. So it's a call to worship. That's right. And worship God as creator. As creator. Well, where do we find God as a creator? Right at the book of Gen... Gen chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis. And what did God say? How do we know that God's the creator? What is his, his symbol or um, recognition of him as the creator? 
Well, it's the Sabbath. It's, yeah. He rested on the Sabbath, and because he rested, he sanctified and set it apart for man. He gave it to man as a gift, but it is to be a sign or a seal of those to show that he is the God that has redeemed us and that he is the one that makes us holy. So we get that in Exodus 31, and we get that in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12 and verse 20. It talks about the Sabbath being a sign or a or seal, seal. That's right. Because it recognizes God as the creator. Hmm. Well, the whole earth is saying that that. God's not the creator, that we just came from a big bang and we've just evolved from, you know, cells and monkeys and whatever. Mm. And we evolved into what we are today. There is no God. That's right. And we've got another group that say, yep, God is the creator, but they still believe in evolution. Mm. So theistic evolution. Yeah. And then we have mm. another group that says, hey, the Sabbath has been changed from the seventh day to the first day. Well, isn't that interesting? Then Daniel said exactly that would happen, didn't he? Mm. It's, it, he, he thinks to ta- change times and laws. So, and, of course, the law refers to the commandments of God. And, of course, time refers to, what, the fourth commandment. That's right. It's so, the one that has to do with time. So, yeah, it even says in the book of Daniel that this beast power, who would rule for 1260 years in the Dark Ages, a church, mm. would think to change God's times and laws. Well, what part of God's law has time regarding time in it? Out of the Ten Commandments. The Fourth Commandment. The Fourth Commandment. Mm. And that's found in Daniel chapter 7. And Daniel's talking about this this beast power that is looked at in Revelation chapter 13. And he's talking about this little horn power that comes out of these ten little horns, which is the ten nations of Europe. Yes. And it says he will, will, in verse 25, he will speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. So this will be a persecuting church. And he shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given to his hands for a time, times and a half time, which we realize is 12 and a, 1,260 days mm. or three and a half years or 42 months, however you want to package it. That's right. God says the same thing. Well, Colin, we've just come to the end of the first half of our program. So what we'll do is we'll take a break and then we'll continue part two of our study today right after the short message. Stay tuned. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. I have always been Father and will always be Father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. Welcome back to You Shall Receive Power. You are in the studio with Colin Hone and Etienne McClintock, and we are discussing the three angels' messages. Now, Colin, what are these messages and why are they important in our day? Well, as we looked before in God's prophetic timetable, we've looked at every other prophecy in the Bible's come true, and mm. God's last day prophecy, which was found in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, about the 2300 days or year prophecy, which brings us to 1844. 
that judgment began, mm. the cleansing of the sanctuary, the removal or blotting out of sin, which is connected with Leviticus chapter 16 on the Great Day of Atonement yes. or Yom Kippon, which was Judgment Day. That's right. And we looked at Revelation 14, this message that's going to go to the whole world. And what I found interesting is that I heard this message 25 years ago. Mm. And and I and I read it all out. I looked at all the prophecies, and and I was like, I was convinced. And so I joined um, those who were giving this message. There are 20 million people uh, worldwide giving this message in Revelations 14, verse 6 to 12, called the Three Angels' Messages. It is going out by television, by radio, through health message, through Bible studies, and it's in every single country. Mm. It, this message. Well, God has people who are giving this message in every single country in the world, just like it said in Revelation chapter 14, 6, that the everlasting gospel was to preach to the hosts who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And it is going rapidly and quickly to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. That's right. And it, and it says, with a, fear God and give glory in for the hour of his judgment has come. 1844, mm. God's judgment is linked to 1844. Mm. Uh, the judgment has begun. And worship him made the heavens, earth, sea, and springs of the water. That is a direct quote out of the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. It's about worship. Keeping God's commandments are about worship. Then interesting in verse 8, it gives and says another angel comes and says, Babylon has fallen, fallen, that great city, because she's made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So let me just get this right, Colin. So what you're saying is there's a, an angel. Now, the w- word angel is angelos, which means messenger. There's a messenger that comes, flies in the midst of heaven, and takes this message to the whole world, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Through and, people. And it starts, it's the everlasting gospel in a judgment hour setting because it says, fear God because the hour of his judgment has come. Yes. So the judgment has started, but now you're telling me there is another message during this judgment period. There's a warning message as well. So in other words, the judgment is not when every case has been decided. The cases are being decided based on their response to the message that God sends from heaven. That's right. Okay, so so just we've got to get very clear. Some people say, oh, the judgment is after the end of the world and destruction. But here we're seeing this message is coming to the world. There's a first message, which we've just read, and now there's a second message during the judgment period that's also coming to the world. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you normally have a judgment before... The reward is given or the penalty is given, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And so the God is no different. He's a fair God mm. and just God. And you only have to look in like right through Revelations. It says, you know, God gives God uh, when he comes, he rewards, gives his reward. So the decision mm. has to be made before Jesus comes. Well, the very last chapter of the book we're in, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus says, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. So judgment must have taken place to determine who receives what reward. That's right. A crown mm. of, and Revelation talks about that, a crown of life and a lot of different things. That's that right. The reward is, but there's also the reward of the wicked, which talks about, remember we read in Revelation chapter 6, that the wicked are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Mm. That is their reward. That's right. They are eternally you know, destroyed. So we've got that. But we've also got a warning message. You know, God always hears some good news. Mm. The good news, the everlasting gospel is good news. Jesus, God has sent Jesus to die and pay the penalty for your and my sins. Mm. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is just and faithful, faithful yes. to forgive our sins Amen. and also not to just forgive ourselves, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. So as we confess our sins, Jesus has paid the penalty. That's good news. We didn't do anything. He did it all. He took yours and my sins upon himself. 
And if we do anything, normally it's the wrong thing. And that's why we need to confess. <laughs> that's right. And he's a mediator. Yes. He's a mediator. He's our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. And praise the Lord. He's able to cleanse as well. Praise the Lord. Mm. And so this message is what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do in us. Because it says not only to pay the penalty, but to cleanse us, mm. to take, remove sin for us. He wants to fill us with his righteousness. He wants to give us his goodness, the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience. All the good things have come from God. Mm. A call to worship God and give glory to him. And it talks about, though, this Babylon fallen, that great city, who made all the nations drink of the wine and the wrath of a fornication. So who is the Babylon, this great city? Well, there's different views on Babylon, but we see that Babylon is actually a church. If we go to Revelation chapter 17, yes, because the woman that rides a beast, now a beast represents a political power or a kingdom, there we see that this woman has names written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. So it is a woman. Babylon is not only a political power, it is a church as well. A religious power. Gonna, and if people don't get this, they will be deceived by apostate Christianity. That's why it's so important to know God's word, isn't it? Amen. Because, you know, what does a woman mean in the Bible? Hmm. Means a church. That's right. Means a church. So in, in, especially in prophecy, it's it's symbolic for a church. Sounds yeah. like there's two women in, in in the Bible as I'm reading. There in is Revelation. two women. That's right. There's this woman we spoke about that Satan hates. Remember in Revelation 12, yeah, he goes to make war on her, uh, and talks about this woman also in Revelation 12, a woman, a a pure woman. That's right. Well, the woman in Revelation 17 is drunk, and she's drunk with blood, and it's the blood of God's people. What well, says she's mystery Babylon the Great, the mother. So she's a mother, mm. a mother woman or a mother church of harlots and of abomination. So she has daughters as well. Mm. Okay. And it says that there's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of saints. So it's a persecuting church who has, who has put people to death. That's right. You know, for that 1260 years, this church put people to death. So, mm. you know, you try and pick out who was a church that ruled for 1260 years in the Dark Ages between 538 AD mm. and 1798, exactly the 1260 years, according to Bible prophecy, uh, and persecuted. It was a persecuting church. So it gives you a, some clues here, doesn't it? Very, yeah. With the good, blood very of, good clues. The blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled the great amazing. And it says, this woman you saw in verse 8, it gives you some little clues. It says, here is the mind which has wisdom. Verse 9, this woman, right, sits on seven mountains. Mm-hmm. Well, seven heads. Well, you know, I once Googled in seven mountains and it came up only for one place. Right. Rome. Mm. Rome. You had the Roman Empire, which was, which was persecuting the early Christians. And then after the Roman Empire, you had the um, papal the papal Roman uh, church yes. that started persecuting people through the Dark Ages. The, they, we, we read in history they put millions and millions of people to death. Mm. Uh, and that makes sense that that's them. Sure, and we're not attacking any individual no. individual person or because we know God has people in every denomination, even in, in denominations that are apostate. So it's not an attack on the people. It's an attack on the institutions. And secondly, this is really life or death. This is about your relationship with the Lord because he wants to repair people to stand. Who will be able to stand in that day? We reject this message of warning that God gives us, which is a message of love. Because he warns us because he loves us because he wants us to be saved. If we reject that, we can't be saved. We walk away from the one who created us and redeemed us and demonstrated his love toward us. That's right. And you read in Revelation 17, the rest of it, you said that there's, she's got daughters who follow after her. Yes. And, and, and they keep the same beliefs, you know what I mean, unbiblical beliefs. 
it all talks about also, it says the kings get involved. So yes. the governments of the world are going to unite with her. Mm. Uh, if you continue reading that in verses, uh, you know, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, and it says they'll make war with the lamb. And it says that in verse 15, the waters, which are the many peoples, all right, yes. are going to be involved. And then it says, though, in the end, the kingdoms turn on her. That's right. The, the political power turns on the church yeah. because the, the, the church has been using political power to her own means, her own gain, and probably been trying to legislate uh, morality, but morality according to her dictates. And it's interesting in verse 18, it says, And the woman you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Well, that woman back then was Rome. Mm. So it's Rome that becomes religious. And so just amazing things. And, uh, and, and also, and there's a call to come out of Babylon. Revelations 18 talks about come out of her my people, which refers to God's, God's people, people being in, in Babylon. Babylon. In apostate now, what does Babylon mean, Etienne? What does the word Babylon mean? Well, it when comes it... from the word Babel, which means confusion. And God, when he confounded the languages at the Tower of Babel, which Nimrod erected, they didn't believe God, didn't believe his promises, he wouldn't destroy the earth with a flood. They built this thing to, 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 so they can ascend up to heaven so that if there was another flood, they could save themselves. Yeah. When they built this tower, it was contrary to God's word. And then what God did to con- confuse them, he confused their languages. There was one language on the earth at that time. Mm. He confused the languages. So Babel means confusion, and the word Babylon just means confusion within the church. All right. I mean, is there a lot of confusion about God? Absolutely, his character, who God is, the you know the humanity of uh, of Christ, the divinity of Christ. There's so many winds of doctrine blowing around the world that people don't know what's truth or error anymore, and they'll just grasp to anything. And they go and listen to one man, and they go, "Yes, that's true." They go and listen to another man, "Yes, that's true," even if they contradict one another. I remember when I I, I grew up, um, I grew up in this church, mm. and I was taught that um, when you die, that you would go either straight to heaven, or you would go to hell and burn for eternity. Mm. And I thought, and then I read the Bible, and I discovered that I'm that God is not going to be burning the wicked and torturing the wicked forever and ever and ever and ever. Mm. There's so much confusion about what happens when you and die. This represents God's character and who do, He is. Do we go straight to heaven? Do we, you know, do we do we wait, wait in the grave until Jesus returns? There's so much mm. confusion out there, and so I guess that's what it's talking about: confusion about the character of God. And when I discovered that God is not going to, He will destroy the wicked. Yes, by the brightness of His coming. And it talks about in Revelation that the great, you know, those who are who aren't part of the first coming of Jesus, but the second resurrection, yes. that they are thrown in the lake of fire. Mm. But that's it. They just are no more. And I thought, doesn't that sound like a, a, a more merciful, loving God than, than the one that was portrayed by the church that I grew up, mm. which is teaching that we are going to – wicked will be burning ever and ever. And I don't know about you, but what my, one of my children – how could I watch my children burning in agony? And, and, and I've also discovered that uh, Islam teaches that as well, that the wicked will be burning in hell forever and ever and Is ever. Is that right? Well, yes. Apparently you, you – Turned inside out and dragged upon coals, mm. the, the wicked, uh, burning forever every day. That gets repeated for eternity. And I just think of a God that would do that. Um, doesn't sound like a loving, merciful, graceful God to me. He's a just God, yes. Yes. But I think a just punishment is you don't have eternal life. You don't exist. Mm. Dust you came and dust you return. Yeah. Now, the punishment uh, will fit the crime. It won't be... It's three score and ten or seventy years of life, and then you suffer all eternity for a life. 
You know, yeah. and the interesting thing is, you know, some people are not as bad as others. If you look at Hitler, for example, you know, killed six million Jews. How many? Fifty million people were killed in that war. If it wasn't yes. more. Yeah. A man like that is thrown into hellfire, and just an ordinary person didn't hurt a fly, but didn't believe in the Lord gets thrown into hellfire. A uh, hundred years before that, they both suffer the same punishment. For all eternity. How does that, how is that justice? It do, it's not just to me. No. And also, three score and ten doesn't deserve eternity of burning. No. Even it, if you were a wicked man. Yeah, even if I wouldn't even do that. See, that sounds something more that Satan would like to do. Uh, yeah. That, you know what I mean? That satanic. sounds like a, yeah. something he's concocted up and twisted in the scriptures because when mm. I read the scriptures, there's 52 verses about hell and Guyana. And wow. 48 of them talk about death. Mm. Six of them talk about fire. And it's, when, uh, remember we were in Israel. We went to Israel recently. Remember we, we saw the we saw the place where they throw all the rubbish that that was hell. Oh, the Valley of Gehenna, the yeah, Valley of Gehenna, right, yeah. and all it was yeah. is for the rubbish was thrown in there, and it was smoldering all the time. Mm. Uh, but it, until it's put out, <laughs> a fire does its work. But once it's burnt up, whatever it's burnt up, it goes out. Mm-hmm. It's That's done right. its works, and the ashes, you know, the smoke rises, doesn't it? Mm. At, out of those ashes. So you know, so you have to read those six verses in light of the other. 48 verses that talk about it's a very good point. death as being asleep. So that's just mm. one of the confusions that, that I think that Babylon is teaching, and that's what God's saying. Come out of there, people. Worship me who made the heavens and earth. Yes. You know, worship me. So here we have, I believe, where God's prophetic clock has reached the hour when he's calling his last generation of Christians in existence, his remnant people. He's calling them out of their laodicean condition. He's calling them out of Babylon, out of confusion. Uh, he's calling them to prepare for Christ's second coming. And today I believe God is calling his people to become just like Jesus. And why is this so important? Well, if we do not heed this call, we will not be ready for Christ's return. Remember, we just asked that question in Revelation chapter 6. Who will be able to stand mm. in Revelation chapter 6? And um, in 1 John chapter 3 verse 2, it talks about what God's last day people, remnant people, will be like when Jesus returns. John chapter 1 well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And it says there, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, we're going to see Jesus coming in all his glory, isn't he? Mm. And in Revelation 18, 1, it says that God's glory lights up the earth through his people. So I believe his glory meets glory. And we know. Amen. I love that picture. Yeah. And it says, But love, we. Now we are the sons of God, and it does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, that's when what? Jesus returns. Yes. We shall be like him. Mm. We'll be, so those who are ready to Jesus will be just like Jesus. And interesting, if you read on, read if you've got that First John chapter 3, verse 2, you read on, it says, and everyone in verse 3, and everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Mm, amen. Isn't that amazing? Mm. So Jesus will do a purification work in us. Isn't that you know interesting that in Malachi chapter 3, that's the very work of God of the last days? It's incredible. Yeah, it actually says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? That's the same thing, isn't it, as it Revelation chapter thing. 6? That's and, right. And, and it same. says he's like refiner's fires. So here it says that he's like a refiner of a fire that purifies. He's like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier. 
and he'll purify the sons of Levi that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So, so it says that they'll, in the same in First John chapter three, verse two and three, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Mm. So Jesus says is going to do this purifying work in us. That's right. And that purifying work is to remove sin, isn't it? Amen. From us, to remove sin not only from the heavenly sanctuary to blot that out, but to remove it from our hearts. Mm. In preparation for the second coming second of coming. Jesus. Look, in Malachi chapter 4, just the very next chapter, verse 1, it says, And behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and yes, the proud, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will neither leave them root nor branch. So it sounds like they're not burning forever, is it? They're not burning forever. No. But that's the, that's the fires of the coming of the Lord, the second coming, because there's another fire, of course, as well, which will destroy them as well. That's right. And the Greek word translated in just like Jesus is right. homoios, which means one at the same, one and the same. It means those who already meet Jesus will be corresponding in nature uh, and in character, uh, just like Jesus. So when it says that they shall be like him, that word like is homo. Homoios. Homoios. Okay. Homoios, which means just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Wow. And the only reason Powerful. we can be just like Jesus is not that we copy Jesus. It's because Jesus is living in and through them. Mm. This is what this has all been about These um, has been going through the 50 days. It's to prepare for the latter reign of the Holy Spirit, which is prepares the latter reign in ancient Israel was to prepare the harvest. Yes. That was the purpose of the latter reign, was to prepare the harvest. And so the early reign which helps us to grow or helps the plant to grow, then the latter rain will prepare it for the harvest. Mm. So we need to grow in the early rain, and the early rain is what causes us to be transformed into the image of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 3.18. As we behold Jesus, Mm. as we focus on Jesus and his word in prayer, as we spend more time in him, we become like him. And that says the Holy Spirit will change us from, how's this? It says from glory to, to glory. To glory, yeah. Exactly the same words as it uses in Revelations 18, verse 1. Yeah. It says God's glory lights up the earth. That's right. And also Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, it says that to fear God and give glory to him. And what's God's glory? Well, it's his character. That's isn't it? right. Remember, yeah. Moses says, show me your glory mm, in mm. Exodus. And God says, I'll show you my glory. And then he gives, tells him about his character. Yeah. And then he gives him his law, which is a transcript of his character. Mm. That's why it says God's law is written on their mind and hearts. That's why it says in Revelation 14, verse 1, it says they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. Yes, God's name is his character. Mm. It's his law. So if God is a consuming fire, we cannot live in the presence of God as sinners and survive because we will be consumed by it. But if we read Revelation chapter 22 where it talks about the same group, Mm. it's incredible. It says that they will actually see his face. And we can see Revelation 22 and verse 4. They shall see his face. And remember, even Moses, that righteous old prophet, you know, of the Old Testament that wrote so much and is such a great and humble man. Mm. He couldn't even see God's face and live. It was very clear. He had to hide him in the, in the in cliff. In the cliff, that's yeah, right. With his hand. But here now God's people can see his face. They shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. Remember, isn't, that's, a, that's a, an allusion to Revelation 41. That's right. 144,000, which says in Revelation 17, are able to stand. Mm. All right. Why are they able to stand? They're sealed. What are they sealed with? The Father's name. And what else is put on their forehead? It says God's law. That's right. Their name, his character. Mm. They have the name. They have Jesus living in them. And so 
this is an amazing promise. And I guess is how, Edian, how are we to, to have Jesus living in us? How do we have Jesus well, living in it us? It can only happen through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus lives in us and Father's name. Well, doesn't it say in Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 8 that God writes his law? By the Holy Spirit yeah, on our puts it in our minds and writes it on our hearts. That's our right. forehead heart. So God's law is a transcript of His character. The Father's name, all right, mm. is His law, and having Jesus in us, and also John chapter fourteen says that Jesus lives in us and the Father through the Holy Spirit. Yes. So to be sealed, we need to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. To have God's law, and at the heart of that law, that sealing is the Sabbath. Amen. Because that is what you know acknowledges Him as the Creator of heavens and earth, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah, amazing promises. Yeah, so if you if you say you're the Lord, you're God. The thing that distinguishes God is that God is the Creator. You can take a lot of the commandments and you can ascribe them to another God, but when it comes to the fourth, you cannot do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's important, isn't it, and urgent that we realize this truth. And only by knowing where the Lord wants to lead us can we cooperate with Him in our journey. And this verse we just read in First uh, John three two tells us that God wants to make us just like Jesus. Mm. We're not to be like kind of like Jesus or merely similar to Jesus. We're to become just like him. And the only reason they're just like him is because they have learned how to let Jesus live out his life and ministry in and through them. They are just like Jesus because it is Jesus who has seen 100% in their lives. And I believe this is the generation God is calling into existence today. Mm, Amen. The generation of Christians who will become just like Jesus. Well, the word Christian means to be Christ-like, isn't it? So you're going to have people representing Christ in word and deed and in character. So they're going to love like Jesus loved his father. They would rather die than do anything to hurt God or to hurt his cause or to hurt his created beings and his redeemed beings. And the good thing is, though, is why, we, why God is still in his mercy even when we fall. Mm. He picks us up. Just well, like we, a little we child. Need, we need that mercy continually. These grace we need every single moment of every day. And it says, I believe also, they're the ones, this generation, who will give the three angels' messages in power. You know, in Revelation 18, verse 1, it says, God's glory lights up the earth, and they give the second angel's message or third angel's message, and they repeat it with even extra power when you read in Revelation mm, 18, verse 1. And so they've learned to let Jesus live in them 100%. They're the true remnant people of God. Just like the early church described in the book of Acts, they will victoriously make it through the final crisis or the time of trouble and stand in the flesh in the presence of Jesus, just like in Revelation chapter 6 says, Mm. who will be able to stand in all his glory when he comes and not be consumed. However, Edian, for this to happen, they must understand God's message to Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22, and how to allow God to bring about the necessary change Described in this council in future um, talks, we're going to talk about the Laodicean message and what we need to come out of our lukewarm Laodicean condition to be ready mm. for the second coming of Jesus. Well, that Laodicean message is definitely connected through to the three angels' messages. That message, that work has got to be done. That message has got to do its work within the group of people that God is calling to give the three angels' messages. As a matter of fact, that ties into the three angels' messages. So it'll be great to unpack that a little bit. And look at that with a little bit more detail. But there are very important messages. It's God's last day church. It's God's last day warning. It's the warning during the judgment hour just before Christ is to come, before the harvest, as you, as you said. Now, as we, uh, as we look at some of Jesus' prophecies concerning the end time, we've covered those in, in, in uh, previous, uh, previous studies. 
But that harvest is actually a representation of the end of the world. He actually says there about you know the the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, mm. and he says there in verse thirty nine of Matthew chapter thirteen, it says that you know the one who sows within the church the tares is the enemy, and that's the devil. The enemy who sowed is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age or the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So it's very clear that that reaping that we see that harvest there in Revelation chapter fourteen and verse fourteen is the end of the world. And that is what we are now talking about. Leading up to that is receiving the three angels' messages, but also receiving the message to the church of the latest scenes. Well, it says in verse 41 of Matthew 20, uh, 13 in that parable, Jesus says who that is. He says, The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And mm. lawlessness is who... Who break God's commandments, commandments yeah. So they're not commandment keepers They're commandment breakers and, and they will be taken out of God's kingdom And they'll be cast in the furnace fire There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth But mm. the righteous will shine forth As the son of the kingdom And of their father He who has ears Let him hear Let him hear Amen Well let's just take a break And share our contact details With the listener out there And we'll be right back Straight after this Thank you for joining us On You Shall Receive Power If you would like more information About today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-73-3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. I hope you've got those contact details down and you're welcome to contact us even if you just have special prayer requests because we do pray here every day that we are at work. A special prayer for those people who put in special prayer requests and we know that many prayers have been answered. So you're welcome to contact us that for that or anything else that you may have any questions on. But just as we wrap it up, Colin, we're, um, we're moving ahead now into the message for God's people. So we looked at the message for God's worldwide People, which is everybody is created that lives on this planet, the three angels' messages, but there's a specific message for his church, for those people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, because God wants to do some purifying there, just like we read in Malachi chapter 3, where it says that he will purify the sons of Levi. Now, the sons of Levi were the ones who worked in his, in his, uh, in his temple. And corresponds to First John three two, it says we will purify ourselves. Those who yeah, that's right. Jesus will be purified. Those who have this hope purify themselves, just as He is pure. So we're going to t- we can tell you the warnings. We can tell you the deceptions. Um, it's all there in God's word, mm. and also the spirit of prophecy has given us counsel as well. We can tell you all this deceptions and what come here. We want to tell you how you can be ready. Mm, and that's the important. message to Laodicea in uh, Revelation chapter three, verse fourteen to twenty two, Jesus gives us. And as Jesus speaking, he gives us the elements, what we need to do to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Mm, beautiful. And I like the way Jesus introduces himself there as the amen and the faithful and true witness. He's the same one that is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And here he presents himself as the true and the faithful witness. So, Colin, we look forward to unpacking that when we get back to our study next time. And dear listener, we pray that God would get you immersed in his word as well, that you continue to walk in the spirit and pray for the baptism of the spirit, the leading of God into all truth, because this is life or death. We're dealing with some very serious topics here, and we're looking forward to the day of Jesus coming, but we want to be those who are ready, who are able to stand in that day. Dear listener, we pray that God would bless you. Until next time. 
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.